At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hi, everyone, and a very pleasant good evening wherever you may be. The words of the great Vin Scully prior to every Dodgers game that he broadcasted for over 60 years. Ben Scully, the legendary Dodgers broadcaster, passing away at the age of 94 here on Tuesday. Scott Seidenberg here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. I was prepared to come in tonight and talk about the Juan Soto trade to the Padres, which we will get into and react to and talk about all the moves that happened here at the Major League Baseball trade deadline, but the story that has rocked the sports world is the passing of the legendary Vin Scully. Uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster, 67 years with the Dodgers. And what was the most impressive part about Vin Scully for me and for many others is he wasn't just a great broadcaster. He was an iconic storyteller. And every time you watched or listened to a Dodgers game or any nationally televised game and World Series or All-Star game that he did back in the day or even the the handful of football games that he did throughout his career. His voice was soothing. He perfectly described the action. He also paused and let the moment breathe so that the crowd can be heard He famously did it after the Kirk Gibson home run. He paused and didn't speak for several moments just to allow anybody in the listening or viewing audience to experience what the crowd was experiencing during those moments. And the way that he would just include stories and background about the players he was broadcasting without missing a beat on the play-by-play is something that is so impressive, and I don't think anyone will be able to duplicate what Vin Scully did as a sole broadcaster. Like He didn't have a color commentator. He was doing this by himself, and what was so great that in his you know later years with the Dodgers, the stories he would tell, the background he would give on these players or coaches, it was it was hilarious at times. Like, he told a story I remember about Johnny Gomes being attacked by a wolf, about Mike Matheny getting, um, 
dropped on by a bird. Uh, um, players on the Dodgers put it, pulling pranks in the clubhouse with the uh, the hot famous hot foot, where they would you know light a matchbook with a piece of gum on a guy's foot, and it, he would tell all these stories and bring you inside the clubhouse, bring you inside the ballpark. And you just felt like you were listening to a game or watching a game with your longtime friend that loved baseball. And as as much as you know, Scully had called like some football games, like I mentioned, most his last football game, believe it or not, was the Dwight Clark catch that he called uh, the Montana to Clark famous catch. But you know, growing up in New York, also Vin Scully was an icon. Started with the Brooklyn Dodgers, moved with the team to Los Angeles, and um, a Bronx native, a Fordham guy, and, and you know, there's a lot of famous broadcasters that come out of Fordham, the broadcasting school there. A lot of people in this industry that are from New York are very familiar with Fordham, and uh, it, it was all because of Vin Scully. And so it's a sad day in the baseball world, but it's also a time to just reflect and and remember the legacy of the great Vin Scully. Um, and also for New Yorkers, I mean, just, just the, the Mets winning the World Series in 86, right? It gets by Buckner. It's a famous call. All of his calls. I think probably the greatest one might be either the Hank Aaron 715, where he acknowledged um, the, the, the moment, not just for Major League Baseball, but for history. I mean, the quote is, quote, a black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of all-time baseball, breaking the record of an all-time baseball idol. What a marvelous moment for baseball, end quote. That was a historic moment that he called. And then, yeah, the Kirk Gibson home run, one of the more memorable plays in baseball history. He has seen legends from Pee Wee Reese and, and Jackie Robinson to the days of Sandy Koufax and, and um, you know, calling Don Larson's perfect game for the Yankees in, in 1956. And what an iconic broadcaster, an incredible storyteller, and one of the legends of Major League Baseball and of all sport. And anybody that is in the broadcasting industry um, owes a lot to the way that Vin Scully um, showed everyone how this is done. Coming up in a few minutes, we will hear from our own legend here at VSIN, Brent Musburger, who joined um, the nightcap earlier this evening and shared his thoughts and his memories on the great Vin Scully. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. The trade deadline in Major League Baseball came and passed at 6 p.m. Eastern time here on Tuesday. And the biggest news was the Padres' acquisition of Juan Soto. We were waiting for this trade to come down. The Dodgers and Padres were reportedly the two teams that were the final two teams in the running for Soto. Ultimately, the Padres were able to get this deal done. There was a slight hiccup in the negotiations as Eric Hosmer was slated to go back to D.C. However, 
Hosmer did have a no-trade clause and did not want to go to D.C., uh, so there had to have been some adjustments and negotiations and tweaks to the deal, but they did get the deal done. All in all, it was Soto and Josh Bell, which was another one of the uh, Nationals' best bats so far this season, going to the Padres for a package that included Mackenzie Gore, who's been fantastic for the Padres this year, C.J. Abrams, who was filled in, in admirably at shortstop, uh, outfielder James Wood, uh, Robert Hassel III, right-handed pitcher Jarlin Susana, and uh, also first baseman slash D.H. Luke Voigt. So Luke Voigt's the guy that probably has to thank Eric Hosmer for uh, shipping him out of San Diego because uh, with Hosmer not in the deal, they had to throw Luke Voigt in to kind of give them back a first baseman and sweeten the pot just a bit. Speaking of Hosmer, he does get traded, though, as the uh, Padres got rid of him and sent him to the Boston Red Sox. And so the Padres now, with arguably as stacked of a lineup as you're going to see when healthy, when Tatis comes back, you'll have a lineup that has Soto, Machado, and Tatis in it. And uh, with Josh Hader in the back end of that bullpen, it makes them a very formidable opponent. Uh, Yurikson Profar, uh, Josh Bell, Jake Cronenworth. Um, the, the, this team is absolutely stacked now. And with their pitching rotation, the way that it is presently constituted with Joe Musgrove and Hugh Darvish, the way that uh, Mike Clevenger has been pitching, you start to now look at this Padres team and think about their potential when it comes to winning a playoff series. Because, let's be honest, they're not going to catch up to the Dodgers. The Dodgers had a 12-game lead here. And so I just don't feel like they're going to catch the Dodgers for the division but in the postseason, because they are going to get a wild card, in the postseason, with a rotation, as I mentioned, Musgrove, Darvish, whoever you want to put third, whether it's Manaya or Snell or Clevenger, and then with a bullpen that includes Josh Hader in the back end, this lineup, when healthy, is as dangerous as it comes. And I actually like this Padres team a lot come playoff time, and a lot of people have to also agree with me because the odds went from 20 to 22 to 1 earlier before the Soto trade down to as low as 10 to 1 to win the World Series. I think that you can actually wait on this number because at this point now, the number is uh, being kind of pushed because of the popularity, right? The Soto trade, the hater trade, everybody's now coming in on the Padres, betting them to win the World Series, betting them to win the National League. I mean, they're plus 475 to win the National League. I mean, that was it was at 10 to 1 or 9 to 1 earlier here, and and even to win the World Series. Like the, the odds have shifted so much now that they're 10, 11 to 1 from 25 to 22 to 1 prior to the trade. And so I think you can wait and there'll be an adjustment on the odds. And I'm not saying they're going to get as good as they were because they're clearly not, but they will get a little bit better 
than where they are right now. So you can get a little more value than 11-1 to 1 on them to win the World Series if you just wait a little bit and see how this thing unfolds. But coming up next, as we mentioned uh, earlier this evening, our very own, the legend, Brent Musburger, joined uh, Tim Murray and uh, on the nightcap earlier tonight and, and shared his thoughts, his memories of the great Vin Scully the big news in the sports world, the big news in the baseball world, the iconic, legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster Vin Scully passed away at the age of 94. We will hear from Brent Musburger coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Certainly, a uh, sad night in uh, in the world of not only baseball but in the world of sports uh, with the passing of Vin Scully. Uh, just a I don't even think remarkable gives it justice uh, of the career that he had. But passing away tonight at the age of 94. We have the Dodgers game here uh- at Bed 365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. On in studio, and they continue to show uh, some of the biggest moments. And you know, someone that uh, certainly can uh, give it some justice is uh, is our own icon at, at Vison, and that is Brent Musburger, who joins us right now. And Brent, we appreciate the time. Um, you know, for someone like yourself who has been in uh, the broadcasting world for for you know decades upon decades, like like Vin was, you know, what were your, some of your interactions with Vin and, and what were your, some of your, I guess, most memorable um, memories uh, of Vin as a broadcaster? Uh, Tim, so many, so many memories. And uh, Vin just told me I was unaware that my, my friend had passed away. This year, the um, All-Star, Major League Baseball All-Star game was played in Dodger Stadium, as you know, Tim, and some 40 years ago was the last time it was played there. And Vin Scully and Brent Musburger with the CBS radio broadcasters. Now, now let me be perfectly honest to everybody listening. When you're in a booth with Vince Scully, you're quiet 98% of the time. That's how good he was. And basically, I led in and out of innings. But there was a moment in this all-star game and... And Vinny and I laughed about it for years afterwards. Steve Carlton was on the mound for the National League. He was then pitching for the Philadelphia Phillies. And I was discussing, as we came out of commercial, how good a pickoff move he had developed. He did not have one 
when he first came into Major League Baseball, but he was lethal late. And at the point I'm about halfway through my sentence, he whipped the ball over to first base, picked off the rudder. And, of course, I'm talking, and the action has a runner picked off. So I continue with the play and record the out. Vinny was quiet, 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 and then picked up with that wonderful tone of his as though nothing untoward had happened. There was an out on the pickoff, and away he went. And I later said publicly, and then to him, that I'm the only person in the world who ever stole an out from the great Vince Scully. And we, we laughed about it for many, many years. And, and I will tell you that of all the broadcasters, and listen, I used to drink almost nightly with Harry Carey in, uh, in Chicago and uh, knew Phil Rizzuto well in New York and all the great old legends of Major League Baseball. There was no one, there was no one who could describe a baseball game as well and quite like Vince Scully. He was one of a kind, and I so admired him uh, through the years. When I was a writer, that's when I first met him, and I went in from Chicago, and I would talk to him in Los Angeles, and little did I know that I would soon become a broadcaster. And his first wife passed away, and then he became a football announcer for us at CBS while I was doing the NFL today. And he was working with, he was working with Hank Stram. And he would go in to cover the Los Angeles Rams, who had then moved down to Anaheim before they went to St. Louis many times. And the secretary he became very friendly with. And that became his second wife as time moved on. And then fans will well remember the great game that he broadcast with Hank Stram when the San Francisco 49ers and Joe Montana beat the Dallas Cowboys as Montana hit Dwight Clark in the corner of the end zone. It was his last football broadcast for us at CBS, and it was still one of the great jobs that I've ever heard a play-by-play announcer do. I will also say that he was a tremendous golf announcer that nobody's aware of. We had him at the 18th hole for a couple of years at Augusta doing the Masters, and he did a tremendous job. Uh, you know, my heart goes out to all the children uh, and to relatives and friends and everybody. He, he was a special, special person, and there has never been a broadcaster quite like Vince Scully. And he brought Major League Baseball to Los Angeles, and he made Los Angeles a baseball town, and the Dodgers revered him for it as, as well they should. And I, I can only say it was to my benefit just to be around him a little bit and to listen to him. I used to listen to him actually in Montana before I even was in the business. When the Dodgers first moved to Los Angeles, you could hear the signal from an L.A. radio station. And no one could ever describe a baseball game quite like Vince Scully. And I sometimes Vinny, I get very excited at times. I jump around and do this. Uh, you're, you're kind of low-key when you describe everything. and You're eloquent. Uh, tell, me, tell me why you don't jump up and down like the rest of us do. And he said, Brent, to tell you the truth, when I first started, 
I got very excited and screamed and yelled about a winning home run. I went back and listened to the tape, and I didn't like the sound of my voice. And I changed it after that. And uh, to everybody's benefit, there were there was no broadcaster in the world who could do a game quite like Vince Scully. And you know, God bless him and rest in peace, my friend. Brent, back in 2016, you received the Vince Scully Lifetime Achievement Award in sports broadcasting, and I'm just curious, you know, what that award meant to you, and and what Vin had to say to you about winning that award that was named in his honor. Well, he called me, and uh, he was the one who actually told me about it. And um, you know, I'm kind of a gruff old Montanan, but actually, <laughs> it brought a tear to my eye, not because. It was just another award, but because his name was attached to it. And that that's what meant so much to me. He knew that. I told him that through the years. And uh, he, was, he was just... The other thing about Vince that everybody should understand is he was a gentleman at all times. Most of us, yeah, most of the time, but not all the time. Not Benny. All the time. A classic gentleman. So it meant, it meant so much to me to win an award that his name, Vince Scully, was attached to. We're talking once again to Brent Musburger. And Brent, uh, we appreciate you jumping on. Uh, just just one final moment here uh, to, 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 to remember Vince Scully. You mentioned you know, the differences maybe in your styles and, and what stood out so well. What would you say in the, in the final minute or so uh, about Vin's style that just made him so iconic, so different, and so, I don't want to use this word, but it's kind of true when you think about his calling of baseball, so perfect when he called those games. He had a rhythm. Now, let, let me be perfectly clear. Uh, he had a uh, gentleman, uh, he, I believe he was a dentist, who did homework for him on uh, on the upcoming teams that were coming in. And if you listen to a Vince Scully broadcast, he had the same rhythm. The first about three innings, when a new team would come into the Dodger Stadium or they were visiting a new team on the road before he uh, got away from traveling with the team in his later years. But in those first three innings, he would give you a lot of anecdotal material about the opposing players so that you knew exactly who the Dodgers were playing. Then about the fourth inning, he would get into the game and the rhythm of the game, and he would give you the highlights. And he never over-talked, but he always would pick out just the right statistic. If you listen today to many of the broadcasters, especially in baseball, there are way too many numbers, okay? I understand analytics has become part of Major League Baseball. But the reason why baseball was great through the generations and what is lacking now is you need more anecdotal material about the human beings who are out on the field. And Vince Scully never, ever failed to tell you about the people who are playing the game, and he never missed an important statistic. But he never, never overanalyzed, never second-guessed. And you would never, interestingly enough, I know so much about Benny, but you would never see him down in the locker room with the players. You would never see him around batting in practice, like some of us a lot. Uh, Vince was somewhat aloof 
from the players because he knew that at times uh, he would have to be critical of their performance on the field. Uh, a broadcaster today actually should go back and study what made Vince Scully great because there are so many things that he did so well. Brent, we really appreciate you jumping on for a couple minutes to talk about your dear friend Vince Scully. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. There he is, Brent Musburger, on the passing of icon Vince Scully at the age of 94.com today. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining me now, our very own Matt Human, senior editor of Point Spread Weekly. You read his stuff, vsin.com. You catch him Monday through Friday on the edge alongside Jonathan Von Tobel. And Matt, you know, when it comes to uh, broadcasters in the sports world, none bigger than the legendary Vin Scully, who passed away at the age of 94. Your thoughts, memories, recollections, and uh, opinions here on uh, a true icon in the sports broadcasting world. Yeah, probably the uh, the best to ever do it. Uh, definitely on the baseball side. And uh, I'll say this about Ben Scully. I, I got a chance to meet him a couple times uh, when I was covering baseball uh, for the Las Vegas Review Journal. I covered Bryce Harper's first major league game at Dodger Stadium and uh, was sitting up in the press box before the game uh, in the uh, – you just call it like the uh, the media lunchroom or whatever, at a table with uh, Tommy Lasorda and Vince Scully, and mm. I just sat there and listened to those guys tell stories for about a half hour. It was great, but uh, he was genuine, uh, as good as it, as good as it gets. Uh, you know, just a uh, a real good guy. Sometimes you hear that about somebody, and you don't know for sure. Vince Scully was a real deal, and it's just amazing to me that he was the voice of the Dodgers for sixty seven years, and I listened to him. Uh, Scott, what was he? I think 90 when he quit doing Dodgers games, 90 or uh, I'm pretty sure right around then. I listened to him to the very end and he was so sharp. You know, it, it was, it's amazing, uh, how good he was at calling Dodgers games at that age. And that guy, man, I, I would have to say there's probably never going to be another one like him. No. And what I respect, he, he was doing games by himself. And the stories yep. that he would, you know, just weave in and out without missing a single pitch of the game. I mean, he would tell some of the greatest stories and some <laughs> stories that had nothing to do with, I remember listening, there was there was one game, they were playing the Cardinals, and he's telling a story about how Mike Matheny met his wife because of a, a bird pooping on him. And, and in between telling this story about Mike Matheny and bird droppings, it's, and the 2-1 low and outside for, for ball three. And, and he goes back to the story. It was just incredible. 
as a great storyteller. He knew how to, like you said, tell a story and call the game at the same time seamlessly. And that was the most impressive thing about it. I mean, uh, when I was out here on the West Coast, uh, I like to listen to baseball on the radio. I don't know about you yeah. when uh, you're in New York. You know, I always feel like baseball is that one sport that I really love to listen to on the radio because so many baseball play-by-play guys are so good. Mm-hmm. And I used to listen to Dodgers games. You know, if I had it on TV, I would turn the radio uh, call on in, uh, in, in my house and listen to Ben Scully call the game on radio, listen to him call it on TV. And, uh, man, that was just great. It was uh, it was great to listen to him for so many years. Dick Enberg was calling the Padres at the very end too. You remember Enberg yep. passed away? Man, time flies. I'm going to say I'm just going to guess five years ago. But Enberg was it was great to listen to him call Padres games at the end too. Uh, Enberg and Scully, uh, two great guys, two of the best to ever do it. Man, uh, it's just uh, I guess uh, an honor to be able to listen to those guys call games. I, mean, I, I wish I was had. Two uh, percent of the talent those guys have mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, you know calling baseball games, calling football games, whatever. Uh, ben Scully was like you said, uh, uh, just a master storyteller, and, and the way he would call the game and just seamlessly uh, work the stories into it was uh, something that you just uh, don't hear. Yeah. with anyone else. Absolutely. Uh, a pleasure to listen to. And some of the greatest moments mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball uh, were called by you know Vince Scully, whether it was the Gibson home run, uh, you know, go back to Don Larson's perfect game in the, in the, in the World Series. And, uh, you know, in New York, Mets fans will always remember the 86 World Series and, and his incredible call of the ball getting by Buckner. So um, just, just an absolute icon in the sport. Uh, Today was an important day, though, in the sport, Matt. The the trade deadline, Juan Soto, the biggest uh, news, he goes to the Padres. Do you think the Padres now are live contenders to win the National League and get to the World Series? Well, let's put it this way. I wouldn't take the odds that are out there. I I think Circa was a 22-1 to on the Padres for today and 11-1 to after that. I heard there was another book in town that dropped a 5-1 to on the Padres. (laughs) You're not going to get me... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be interested in betting the Padres uh, to win the World Series at anything less than about fifteen to one right now. You really, how much better are they? Uh, it's easy to get excited about these moves, and I guess in October we're gonna find out if they pay off. But let's, they got Josh Hader, who's probably the best closer in baseball right now. But they traded the number two closer, arguably, and Taylor Rogers. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a huge, huge difference there, and. Uh, yeah, Soto, I think, is going to make a big difference in the lineup. And also, don't forget Fernando Tatis coming back. I don't think Luke Voigt's going to be missed, really. And uh, I actually was getting really tired of watching Luke Voigt play. He, you know, he struts up to the plate with his shirt unbuttoned and his chains. He looks like a beer league softball player. Uh, but I think the, the Padres got a great lineup right now. It's easy to get excited about what they can become. But I think, Scott, after tonight, they're still about 11 and a half games back of the Dodgers. It's going to be a tough road in the National League. I still like the Mets a lot. So do I. And uh, Jacob, uh, I, I, well, I think the way to play it is I'm, I'm not going to play the Padres now. I might consider playing them in a postseason series if they get, let's say it comes down to a postseason series between them and the Dodgers. I'll take the plus money on the Padres in, in a series yeah. against the Dodgers. But if you're asking me to bet on a team right now to win the National League, to me it's the Mets because Jacob deGrom comes back He's throwing 102 miles per hour, and he pitched really well through five innings. Now, same old story. The Mets don't score any runs for him. you got to feel bad for the guy. Uh, but he looked great, and 
Now they have the, their whole one-two punch of him and Scherzer back together and healthy for the first time here now this season. Uh, this te- this is the team to beat in the National League, in my opinion. I think so. I think so. I mean, some people would say it's the Dodgers. And, um, you know, I watched the Dodgers game again tonight, and they beat the Giants 9-5, to but the Giants are a patsy right now. Yeah. Uh, almost yeah. anybody can beat the Giants, and the Dodgers have just uh, beaten the crap out of that team all season. Uh, so I, I think it's the Mets, the way their pitching sets up for the postseason. Mad Max is as dominant as he's ever been right now. It's amazing at his age. I'm not sure he's ever been better than he is right now. Every start I watch him, and uh, last week the Yankees very close to getting to him, and then they couldn't get the big hit. They couldn't get a timely hit when they had guys in scoring position. Mm-hmm. But uh, Scherzer is about as good as I've ever seen him right now. So you got Scherzer, DeGrom. That's a huge advantage in any sort of series. Even against the Dodgers, the Dodgers don't have that type of dominant nope. pitching at the top of the rotation. You know, sure, uh, you can say Clayton Kershaw, but Kershaw is not on the level of those two guys right now. So my money's on the Mets. I, I, that's the team to beat. And like you said, uh, hopefully he, Degrom could get some run support because again tonight it was a disappointing offensive performance. Mets uh, had what six hits, mm-hmm. beat five to one. Jonathan Von Tobel asked me on the show today. Would you be stunned if the Nationals beat the Mets? And at that point, the Mets were like minus three fifty. I said, "No, that's you know, I mean, it's baseball. It wouldn't stun yeah. me at all because everybody's expecting Degrom to come back and be dominant. But what's he going to pitch? Five innings. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't expect him to go deeper than five. And you're laying three fifty. And obviously, it's a perfect storm situation with the Nationals trading away Soto and uh, who else they traded away? Bell. Josh I Bell. Yep. Bell yep. they traded away. Yep. So two big bats out of the lineup, and that's why that line got so high. But it's amazing, man. You you and I were talking about the Mets just don't score for DeGrom. Hopefully that changes in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I had a parlay with the Mets' first five uh, today, and obviously the Mets, they were down one nothing after five innings. <laughs> it's just, it's, I should have just played the under, go figure. Um, I know tomorrow's a big day for you because you are unveiling your fast food rankings. Uh, I need to know what... What is the true definition? we got about a minute left, and I know we're going to do another segment here, but real quick, is there a quick definition of what counts as fast food for you? Pretty much uh, drive through window is a necessity, but like anything else in life, uh, there's gray area. You can bend the rules a little bit. If there's a place <laughs> like Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs that doesn't have drive through locations, I still count that as fast food. There's a couple places like that that may only have a couple drive through locations. But you've uh, like Denny's is not fast food. That's a diner. I don't count any pizza places. Uh, I, I explained it all in the column. It's going to be up at vcin.com in the morning. And I also, uh, I also, Scott, explained my power ratings formula, similar to what I use for college basketball and college football teams. I actually did use a power ratings formula to come up with my top 50. And uh, so we'll announce that at 4.30 in the morning Pacific time with uh, Mitch and Paul. I absolutely can't wait for that. But uh, coming up next, let's get into the college football betting guide. You have done tremendous work on that. So let's talk about what you have previewed coming up next, Matt. He's our very own Matt Eumann, senior editor here at VEASAN. You read his stuff in Points Red Weekly. And, of course, in our new college football betting guide, available now exclusively for VEASAN all-access subscribers. And you watch him Monday through Friday, of course, with Jonathan Von Tobel co-hosting The Edge. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We'll get to that college football preview coming up next. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network.
365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. .com today. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up for VEASAN All Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Scott Sadenberg back here. This is the look ahead on VEASAN, the sports betting network. And one of the major contributors to our college football betting guide is our very own senior editor here at VSIN, Matt Humans. And Matt, I know you did uh, uh, the Big Ten, but you did the Big Ten. Would you do the West of the Big Ten? The Big Ten West. Big and, Ten uh, West. Pac-12. Yeah, the Big Ten West and the Pac 12. And the Pac 12 is going to soon be the Pac 10. <laughs> uh, they make some sort of moves. But, you know, all the offseason hype has uh, been about USC and Lincoln Riley. Going from Oklahoma, taking his quarterback Caleb Williams with mm-hmm. him. Uh, I think I think Utah's the best team in the Pac-12, and I like Utah over nine. I even like Utah as a uh, dark horse to possibly get to the college football playoff. Not great value in the number at five to one, or even sixty to one to win the whole thing. But I think uh, you can bet Utah to win the Pac-12 and over nine wins, and uh, those are pretty good bets. If you go back to three games in the last season, Kyle Whittingham, who's one of my favorite coaches, yeah. he flipped the switch. He uh, changed quarterbacks. He went to Cameron Rising mm-hmm. transfer, and uh, the team never looked back. Rising led uh, the Utes to 38 points per game and a 9-1 and record against Pac-12 opponents. Uh, Utah dropped 52 on Stanford, 44 on UCLA, 42 on USC. He had 20 TD passes. He also can run the ball. 500 yards rushing. Tavion Thomas, one of the top running backs in the Pac-12, is back. This team's got a physical offensive and defensive line. Now, I think Utah should win 10 games. Now, the toughest game on the schedule is probably the first one. September 3rd at Florida. That's never the way you want to start the season, a true road game. Mm-hmm. The SEC country against a team with a pretty good quarterback. I also play on the road to Oregon November 19th. But I think anything less than 10-2 and is going to be a disappointment for this Utah team. And I really believe Utah has a legit shot 
to win that Pac-12 and uh, maybe sneak in the college football playoff, depending what else happens. Now, it looks like Alabama and Ohio State almost have a buy into the college football playoff if, uh, if you believe everything you read right now. But those third and fourth spots should be up. And, I, you know, Cameron Rising's a guy who's really going to, let's call him a rising star. I, I really think he's going to be uh, a top NFL prospect by the end of the year. Nobody's really talking about him right now. But that Florida game's huge. If the Utes can win that in Gainesville, uh, I think Rising could uh, become a, a Heisman type of candidate. And uh, Utah's going to be in great position to have an 11-1 and uh, type of season. So Utah's the team I like the best in the Pac-12, not USC. Utah uh, currently minus two right now in that Florida game up on the right. DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, anything, it's under a field goal. Would you take money line here? Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with that right now. It's mm. a little too early to say. I mean, first of all, I don't like to play road favorites. Yep. And uh, that's, uh, that's a tough one right there. It's not going to stun me if uh, Utah loses that game and then goes on a big winning streak. Sure still has a 10 or 11 win type of season. Yeah, and then everyone can say that they shouldn't be in the college football playoff because they lost the first game at Florida. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? If you're going to lose a game, that's true. But yep. if you're going to lose a game, you want to lose early. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah. Absolutely. All right, uh, looking at the Pac-12 North, who represents the North from this uh, conference? You know, I'm not crazy about, uh, by the way, the, uh, the Pac-12 is not doing the North and South this year. They scrapped the divisions. Mm. And... Uh, so what, the top and two teams the, just in the championship? Yep, top two teams by winning percentage in the championship, which is uh, probably the way it should be. And, uh, you know, I'm not crazy about Oregon in the in the college football betting guide. I lean Oregon under eight and a half. I lean under on a lot of these top teams that used to be in the north. Dan Lanning is in for Mario Cristobal at Oregon. Lanning's 36. He's a first-time head coach, former Georgia defensive coordinator. Uh, you know how the Ducks open their season? Georgia. Against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not an ideal opener right there. I think Oregon's <laughs> offensive line might be uh, right there among the nation's best. But Bo Nix is going to be the quarterback to transfer from Auburn. He's been inconsistent throughout his career. Uh, this is a team that lost a lot of talent. And um, I, I'm not going to be surprised if uh, Oregon loses a few games that uh, people don't think uh, they're going to lose this season. It's uh, when you get got a first-time head coach, and you got to transfer a quarterback in a new system. You can't just assume that Oregon's going to uh, be business as usual. So I, I lean under on Oregon's win total, and actually um, uh, that number is eight and a half. As far mm-hmm. as Washington, I'm not that crazy about Washington either. I kind of lean under seven and a half there. Look at the way that program has deteriorated since Chris Peterson stepped down in 2019. Now they did hire a really smart coach in Caleb DeBoer who's a Fresno State. Yep. Uh, but he's got Michael Penix, the Indiana transfer, as his quarterback. Penix is another guy who's been really inconsistent. And uh, I think the talent level in this program is way down from what it was in the Chris Peterson era. Washington won a total of 18 games in 2018 and 19, Peterson's last two years. They're 4-12 and against the spread under Jimmy Lake, the former coach, and they lost to Montana 13-7 in the last year's opener. So I think you got to temper your ex- expectations for Oregon and Washington. I'll tell you, Scott, two interesting teams that used to be in the Pac-12 North, Oregon State, you know, the win total six and a half. Jonathan Smith has done a phenomenal job coaching that team. Uh, got a lot of talent back. Really, B.J. Baylor, the running back, is uh, only the high-impact guy they lose. 
this Oregon State defense could be legit. The schedule's tough. Uh, don't get me wrong here. For the first five games on the schedule, uh, Boise State, Fresno State, USC, Utah are as tough as it gets. But this Oregon State team is uh, going to be really interesting to watch in the Pac-12 because they're not going to be an easy out for anybody. And uh, I do want to throw out, I think Arizona State's headed for a dismal year. I would play Arizona State under six and a half. Herm Edwards, things are going in the wrong direction uh, right there. And uh, Tempe right now, California doesn't appear to have much offensive talent. On paper, might be the least talented team in the conference. I'd play under five and a half there. I'm playing a lot of unders. Uh, I think Stanford over four, and you can find that out there, is actually a pretty good bet. Uh, Tanner McKee, one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12, and a team that I think is going is to be close to turning it around. And watch out for this guy. Cameron Ward, the new quarterback at Washington State. The win total is only five and a half. This Washington State team's got a chance to be pretty good. In, uh, in the Southland Conference last year at Incarnate Word, um, Ward threw for 4,650 yards and 47 touchdowns with 10 picks. In his last two years there, Obviously, it's against weaker competition. He threw for 77 TDs. Mm. His coach is now the offensive coordinator. I think that's going to be a really interesting team to watch. Finished strong last season. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the bottom teams in that division. Talked about Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State, the bottom teams that used to be in the Pac-12 North. Let's go to the Big Ten West. Uh, if it's not Wisconsin, who is it representing this division? Probably Iowa, uh, because it's amazing what Kirk Ferentz does year after year. Mm-hmm. On paper, <laughs> it's funny, because on paper, Iowa never looks that good. And you say, okay, I can bet the Hawkeyes under the win total this year. Uh, this is going to be the year that Kirk Ferentz uh, gets it handed to him, and it just never happens. Uh, I was talking about this with somebody today, how every year you look at Iowa's win total, you look at the schedules, say, nah, didn't, they don't have as much talent as they've had in the past. And somehow, Ferentz finds a way to get over the total. Let me give you his records uh, for the last five years. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, how about 10 and 4, 6 and 2, 10 and 3, 9 and 4, 8 and 5? <laughs> uh, you know, and this Iowa team, I think a lot's going to depend on the quarterback, Spencer Petras, if he can step up to the next level. Uh, I think the Hawkeyes are probably going to be a team that can win the Big Ten West. Their win total is seven and a half. I actually kind of like that over. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at look, look at their road games. I mean, with the exception yeah. of at Ohio State, that the road games are pretty pretty manageable. And, you know, at Rutgers, mm-hmm. at Illinois, and and at Purdue and at Minnesota, those are manageable. Yeah, and I think uh, Kirk Francis is five and zero against Minnesota with uh, PJ Fleck as coach. So they've they've dominated uh, that series. So I kind of like over seven and a half. With Iowa, obviously Nebraska is an intriguing team because Casey Thompson, the Texas transfer, yep. comes over to run that offense for Scott Frost. In 10 starts for the Longhorns last year, he had 24 TD passes. So he's a big upgrade from Adrian Martinez. And Scott Frost really hammered the transfer portal. He's 15-29 and 29 in uh, his four years. I saw a book out there today that's got a win total of eight on Nebraska. I would have to play under eight. Yeah, and well, uh, he's are the Cornhuskers. They got to get the nine to beat you. And, Come on, yeah. I think that's a really good. Bet. And, and he's yeah. probably on the hottest seat so far going into this season. Matt, appreciate the time. Great work in the college world betting guide, and we'll talk again soon. You bet, Scott. Thanks. There he is, Matt Humans. Get yourself a copy of the College World Betting Guide exclusively for Veasan All Access subscribers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look at. 
What's the guarantee? What's the guarantee? Hey, Derek! What's the guarantee? At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.